The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, September 20th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. Ohio State 41, Tulsa 20 at the Horseshoe on Saturday, which means we are now one-fourth of the way through the Buckeyes' regular season already. We are going to start with the bad, then get to the good. Unfortunately, there is a lot of bad to get into. Let's start with the defense. Not good again. Over 400 yards of passing given up against a mediocre quarterback. They stopped the run pretty well. They focused on stopping the run, but still over 500 yards of total offense for Tulsa. 501 to be exact. The defense has to be much better. Much better. It was the first time when Matt Barnes was calling the defense, so maybe it'll get better, but man, 500 yards of total offense against Tulsa when all of the emphasis was on the defense all week and improving. Now, they did move some things around, so I guess you could argue you got to give them a little bit more time. But, you know, like I said, you don't have a lot of time in college football. They're already one-fourth of the way through the regular season. This week's game against Akron will be by far their easiest game of the season. Certain games I thought would be easy, like Michigan State, for example, not going to be easy. Michigan State looks a lot better than what I thought they were going to look. I mean, I wasn't alone there thinking they were going to be bad. I know Phil Steele picked them to be dead last in the Big Ten East. He picked Michigan State dead last, seventh. They're 3-0. They're probably going to be ranked now after beating Miami. So there's a lot of bad to get into um, on this defense. One thing that I'm very perplexed about is why, if Matt Barnes is now calling the defense, why would you move him from the box to the field? And if Kerry Combs' main thing is getting guys fired up and he's not the tactician by his own admission, he's not much of a technician or a tactician, why would you move Kerry Combs from the field to the box if he's not calling the defense. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And we're going to get a chance to meet with Ryan Day as usual on Tuesday. That is definitely one of the questions I'm going to ask. If Matt Barnes is calling the defense, don't you want him in the press box, which is where he was before this move was made? I don't get it at all. Unless Ryan Day just wants his defensive coordinator on the field. But I don't think that's it because Jeff Halfley in 2019, when they were elite on defense, the number one total defense in the country in 2019, Jeff Halfley was up in the box and used to talk all the time about how he pr- much preferred being up there, much preferred, can see the defense much better, can see the field much better. And, and you hear that from a lot of defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators. Not all of them, 
Brenton Venables from Clemson. He coaches from the field. There's many more that coach from the field. Robert Sala, who's now the head coach of the New York Jets, used to coach from the field when he was the 49ers defensive coordinator. So there are exceptions to the rule, but I think most coordinators like being in the box. I don't get this at all. You promote basically Matt Barnes to defensive coordinator, even though he doesn't have the title. But if you're calling the defense, you are the defensive coordinator. Not really breaking news there, right? I mean, if you're calling the defense, you're the defensive coordinator. If you call the offense, you're the offensive coordinator. Titles be damned. So you promote him to defensive coordinator, and you move him from the box to the field. I don't get it. So we'll we'll see. The I'm sure Ryan Day has his reasons. We will find that out tomorrow. Now, there is some good news on defense. It's mostly about very young guys. Tyleek Williams. How about this guy? I think Buckeyes might have Jonathan Hankins 2.0 here. Tyleek Williams. I mean, they don't recruit a lot of defensive tackles that are like 330 pounds like Tyleek Williams is. And they're like most of their guys are like right around 300. Even Togi last year, he was so strong so he played like he was 330. He was only about like 300, 305. Look at the guys they have this year. You know, most of them right around 300 with like Teron Vincent and Antoine Jackson and those guys. Haskell Garrett's right around 300. You get a guy like Tyleek Williams, 6'3", 330, that can move like he does. Maybe not quite as big as uh, Jonathan Hankins, but uh, right around there, man, he looks good. Man, he looks good. He had a huge play in the game with that sack. He looks like an absolute beast. So there is some good news. Now, again, most of it's young guys, a lot of true freshmen. (laughs) I mean, the best players on this defense are like true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and, and maybe a couple sophomores too who, I mean, Cody Simon's a sophomore. He basically could be a redshirt freshman. He barely played in more more than four games last year, although it didn't matter because last year doesn't really count as a year of eligibility anyway, but they do list Cody Simon as a sophomore. He got the start, unfortunately, because Taraja Mitchell missed the game. I'm not sure if it was an illness or if he's injured. It was kind of a last-minute thing. Tells me it might be an illness since it was a last-minute thing, unless he got hurt during warm-ups or something. But anyway, I thought, you know, Cody Simon had been playing well, you know, the first couple weeks of the season as well, but hadn't been playing a lot of snaps because he was banged up. And, you know, he got the start, played a lot, so hopefully he's healing up. I'm really high on Cody Simon. I think he's got the highest ceiling of those linebackers. So Tyleek Williams looked really good. Cody Simon looked good for the most part. Cam Martinez as a redshirt freshman, his coming-out party with uh, you know a couple of pass breakups, one tip pass that led to an interception by Ronnie Hickman. And then, of course, Cam Martinez had the pick six of his own to, to really put that game away at 41-20. to 20. I mean, here's another thing that was disappointing. I mean, 41-20, to 20, that score in itself is like, okay, ho-hum, they didn't cover, but at least they won by 21. It looks a hell of a lot better than what it actually should have looked. I mean, it was a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. Ohio State was only leading 27-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter with Tulsa getting the ball and it was like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, a one possession game and Tulsa gets the ball in the fourth quarter. Uh, At least the Buckeyes did close strong. Denzel Burke continued to be impressed with him as a true freshman corner. Really, really, really like him. So there are some good things on defense. Again, JT Tuimoloal, I thought played well, but uh, the biggest guys that stood out to me, Tyleek Williams, Cam Martinez. I mean, those guys had their coming out party for sure. Speaking of coming out party, let's move to the offense. We said there's some good news. Oh, this is some great news. We're going to remember the Tulsa game years from now. See, right now we're all wrapped up in the defense, and rightfully so, myself included. But we're going to look back on this years from now is when Travion Henderson announced himself as an absolute superstar at Ohio State and an absolute superstar. Broke Archie Griffin's single-game rushing record. He had 277 yards of rushing. Travion Henderson did the third most in Ohio State history, the only two ahead of him, Trey Sermon last year, 331 in the Big Ten championship game, Eddie George, 
314 in 1995, his Heisman Trophy year. I mean, Travion Henderson has it all. He has it all. He's not just a home run hitter. You know, he's tough enough to run between the tackles. That's not necessarily his forte, but he can do it. He's 210 pounds, and he is he is ripped. He, he loves walking around that indoor facility after practice with no shirt on. He is absolutely ripped. I thought he was going to be, you know, a guy that could hit the home run this year. Maybe he would grow into a guy that could run between the tackles. Uh-uh. No. No, he's a threat to hit the home run every time he carries the ball, and he can run between the tackles. He makes the first guy miss. He falls forward when he is getting tackled. All the signs of a great running back. You're making the first guy miss. You're falling forward, and you can be a home run hitter. I mean, this guy, he's going to go down as one of the best running backs to ever come out of Ohio State. And trust me, I don't say that lightly. I know the lineage of of Ohio State running backs. And if you're going to go down as one of the top 10 running backs to play here, perhaps top five, that is saying a massive amount, and I absolutely believe he will. If he stays healthy, he's going to leave as not just – a great running back, but one of the greatest to ever play at Ohio State. That's how high I am on him. It's nice to see a kid who is ranked as the number one running back come in here and not just live up to expectations as the number one running back in the country, but so far he's exceeded them, in my opinion. He's exceeded them, and he got the start. Mine Williams uh, did not play. We're not sure why. Uh, Master Teague was the number two. Travion Henderson got the start, and my goodness, did he make the most of it. And Mayan Williams, assuming everything's okay with him, Still going to have a huge role in this offense. I love Mayan Williams, too, and they complement each other well. But we will look back on Saturday, not as the first time Matt Barnes called the defense, not that they gave up 500 yards of total offense to Tulsa, not that Tulsa was in the game in the fourth quarter. We're going to look back on that as Travion Henderson's coming out party. My God, it's he look good. And it's so exciting to see. It is so exciting to see. All right, got to close the show. I don't know if this is bad news. This is just interesting news to me. C.J. Stroud's shoulder. Obviously, that's not good that he's dealing with the bum shoulder, but he's fighting through it. And, you know, I've, I've had some sources tell me that there's, you know, a chance here that maybe the coaches have said, hey, you know, maybe we should give it some rest. And, and he wants no part of that. And that's good, right? You don't want your quarterback to say, oh, I don't want to play. Yeah, take me out. You want him to be like, no, 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 I want to stay in. I want to stay. I want to play. I want to fight through this. If I can play, if the trainers and the doctors clear me, I want to play. You like that attitude. But I've also heard part of that attitude might be, well, if uh, if I don't play against Tulsa and Kyle McCord goes out there and tears it up, maybe I'll get my job back. I don't think Ryan Day would do that to the kid, but I think he would legitimately you know, give him another chance once he got healthy. And if you're wondering, this week certainly is not the week to try something like that. You're not going to sit C.J. Stroud this week and have Kyle McCord go out there and throw 600 yards against this terrible Akron team and have all the fans saying, oh, see, see, Kyle McCord's way better. Like, no, let's, you know, that's that wouldn't be a fair comparison. So this week's not going to be the week it happens unless there's a setback with his shoulder. That is something to monitor, though. That's something to monitor. If that is why C.J. Stroud is overthrowing receivers and just wasn't accurate in general, just did not have that great of a game against Tulsa. Didn't have a good game. I don't need to sugarcoat it. Did not play well. Did not play well. Uh, His interception was not just a bad throw. It was a bad decision. I think in that interception when he was trying to get the ball to Jeremy Ruckert, I think there's probably been some, hey, we got to get the ball to Ruck a little bit more. That was all offseason they talked about it, and they had not been getting him the ball very much. I think that was a classic case of a quarterback predetermining what he was going to do because it was double coverage. And you could even say there was like a third guy around there, too. It was almost almost triple coverage. They were in zone, but there were about three guys around Ruckert, including two real close to him. The guy that uh, intercepted it uh, when it was overthrown. And there was a guy right in front of him in case it was underthrown. It would have been an absolute dime for that to have any chance of being a reception. And you had other guys on that route that were open. So I think he just predetermined he was going to throw the ball to Jeremy Ruckert on that. So is that why C.J. Stroud is struggling, or is it like, is that an excuse? You know, and we, I mean, 
he wasn't the reason they lost the Oregon game. I agree with Ryan Day on that. I mean, was C.J. Stroud perfect against Oregon? No, but when a redshirt freshman throws for 484 yards, I'm not going to pin that on him. I mean, he wasn't the reason that they couldn't pick up short yardage. Or the, I, I didn't think the play calls were very good on fourth down in that game against Oregon. Again, C.J. Stroud was not perfect, but I saw a Chris Olave drop what would have been a touchdown pass on an absolute perfect deep ball. There were other drops in that game. So I thought overall C.J. Stroud played well against Oregon, even dealing with that that sore shoulder. And another thing, I keep bringing this up, you know, listen to what these kids say because the coaching staff is so guarded, but, you know, especially a 19-year-old kid like C.J. Stroud, even though they're coached over there, not to say too much to the media, they will have moments of honesty. When C.J. Stroud was kept being asked about his shoulder after the Oregon game, did you notice? At first, he was kind of trying to blow it off a little bit. Then the more he was asked about it by reporters, good job by my brethren in the media, by keep prodding, keep asking about it. He finally said, yeah, it's... It's a little bit of a problem. I'm, I'm just blessed I was able to play today. Again, this is after the Oregon game. You don't say something like that if you're thinking, oh, it's like a you know, very, very, very minor injury. You wouldn't pay it any mind. You'd be like, okay, I got a little bump and bruise, maybe a little. That tells me it's obviously not serious or he wouldn't have been able to play. That tells me it's probably like a, a sprained shoulder that's given him some fits. Or he would say things like, I'm just happy I was able to play. I'm blessed I was able to play. That lends credence to... Some of the rumors that maybe he was 50-50 leading up to the Oregon game. I don't think it was 50-50, but there was some concern internally at Ohio State that maybe he was not going to play in the Oregon game because the shoulder was bothering him. We saw it going back to the Minnesota game. Throughout the game on the, on the sidelines, you could see him trying to warm up his shoulder. So that is something to, to keep an eye on. But now Ryan Day's in a tough spot. Are you going to bench C.J. Stroud? No, you're not going to bench him. Uh, if he's less than 100%, does Kyle McCord deserve a uh, shot? You could argue, yes, Kyle McCord does deserve a shot. But we also don't know how close the competition is in Ryan Day's mind. I think if the competition was super close, Kyle McCord should get in there. If, you know, and, and not start this week, but at least play a little bit this week. Like I said, you're not going to start him this week and just bench C.J. Stroud. That's not going to happen unless there's a major setback with the shoulder, like I said. But if it's a close competition... And but you know Stroud was better. He won it, but you know it was close. But now Stroud's hurt, and he's not 100. percent Then I think McCord deserves some playing time to see how he does. Assuming McCord is ahead of Miller, which my sources tell me he is. Now, if it's a huge gap, forget about it. If it's a huge gap between Stroud and McCord in Ryan Day's mind, there's no need. You know, the biggest thing is just make sure Stroud gets healthy, stays healthy. If there's a huge gap. No need to get Kyle McCord in there in that scenario unless you just want to get him kind of battle-tested in case he is needed. So I'm curious what the gap is between Stroud and McCord. My gut tells me it's not a huge gap. I mean, we've heard a lot of good things about Kyle McCord. We're, we actually got a chance to see a lot of practices during camp. Now, we didn't get to see scrimmages, which is that would have been the, the best way to get a gauge. But we were out there a lot, and I tell you what, Kyle McCord looks good, and Everybody over there says he's a football junkie. So I don't think the gap is that big. So I, that's something to keep an eye on if we're going to see Kyle McCord at some point if C.J. Stroud is not healthy. And the good news, let's go back to Travion Henderson and finish with good news. The good news, whoever the quarterback is on this team, you got an absolute superstar running back, and yeah, he can make you look really good. I think this offensive line, while they have been far from perfect, will continue to gel and get better and better and better. Hopefully Thayer Mumford's okay. Uh, he had to leave the game, and Matt Jones went in at left guard. But – Ryan Day did mention he does not think it's a serious injury with Thayer Munford. That's good news. I think Thayer's had a little bit of adjustment, which you can imagine. He's played tackle his whole time here. Now he's left guard. Uh, I don't think he's played that well, but I think as the season progresses, that line's going to get better and better and better. Dewan Jones has too many pre-snap penalties. First-year starter. I think he's going to get more comfortable, and he's going to cut down on the penalties. I am still bullish on this offensive line, even though they can play much better. 
the Harry Miller stuff is it's uh it's a head scratcher i i don't even know you know what's going on I, you know and even if i did i might not say because obviously they want to keep that private it doesn't sound like it's an injury and it doesn't sound like it's covid i just hope harry miller's okay he is a wonderful young man i just hope whatever's going on he's okay that's the bottom line from a football perspective even when he does come back i don't know if he's going to get his job back luke whipler to me is playing really well especially for a redshirt freshman who's just going to get better He's another guy that's an absolute football junkie. That's all he does. His hobbies, he's not even joking when he says this. His hobbies are watching film, breaking down film, working out. I mean, that's what he does. That's what Luke Whippler does. So I don't think he's going to give that job up. But I just, I, I don't know what's going on with Harry Miller. I just hope he's okay. So uh, I'm still very bullish on this uh, offensive line. A lot to get into tomorrow with Ryan Day. I can't wait what he's going to say about, you know, Mayan Williams, what's going on with that. Hopefully, like I said, Thayer Munford. Uh, is okay at left guard. What's going on? Why is Matt Barnes, if he's calling the defense, why is he on the field? Why didn't he stay in the box? And if Kerry Combs is Mr. Get Everybody Fired Up, why is he in the box and not on the field? You would think more than ever you'd want Kerry Combs on the field right now, and you want Matt Barnes up in the box. I don't get it at all. So a lot to get into uh, with Coach Day tomorrow. I don't think he's going to say much about C.J. Stroud's shoulder. That's another thing he'll be asked about. So... We'll see, but um, really appreciate you guys joining me on this edition of the Bucknuts Morning 5. Hope all of you have a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.